0: Ciao! Pokemon and trainers of the internet. This is Peek Podcast, a Pokemon anime podcast going through every single episode of the series from start to finish. So far we are in advanced generation. We are currently somewhere in the middle, May's got a couple of ribbons, Ash has got a handful of badges. And while today we'll not add another uh, little prize to these kids' collections, it is going to be a fun day on the road. What I do here on this podcast is I go through every episode individually and talk about the plot and the writing and the characters and their emotional journeys as if they were real. <laughs> laugh with the show and occasionally laugh at the show in a good-natured way, but mostly just laugh and celebrate this show that we all love so much. Today is going to be Advanced Generation number 60, Delcatty Got Your Tongue. So to get into it, the gang is on the road to Verdant Turf Town, where May is scheduled to have her next contest battle. She's excited and confident, which is a hopeful combination for May. Ash must be like glad to see my motivational speaking is paying off finally. But as always, there is a wrench in the works. Team Rocket is here, and they've got a whole trap cleverly disguised as road construction. And these are good rule-abiding kids, so of course they walk right into it. Though as much as we neg on the kids for always falling into these traps, there's something to be said for the fact that they have never once stayed in a trap. They always break out, they always get their friends and their stuff back, so... I guess the threat level of of actually falling for the trap is actually pretty low here. Anyway, what's really capturing my attention in this scene is Jessie. When she turns to the camera and flashes a peace sign with that scary grin, in her work coveralls. There, there's something about this image that's both endearing and also kind of creepy and perfect, and I just want that on a button pin or a sticker. I want this. If someone out there makes one of those things, hit me up, I will go to your Etsy shop. I, I don't know what it is, something about this image just speaks to me. Back to the plot. Steam Rocket tries to fish Pikachu out with a long-handled net, but James gets overconfident, and again, the twerps know what's up. They've never stayed caught in the trap. They all grab onto that net as he fishes it in, and James just, like, fishes everybody right back out of the trap. It only took, like, five seconds. I think it's a new twerp record. Good job, kids. Further having an off day, James sends out Cacnea against Ash's Torkoal. That's not what I would have done. But poor Cacnea, these kids have two fire types. It's gotta just cringe whenever it gets called into the battle. Or maybe it it likes a challenge. It does hug James every single time we see it, so maybe maybe this is its idea of fun. Anyway, Ash is also having an off day, I guess, or maybe just the victim of timing, because he's also fighting Saviper. And while he is able to flame the snake, Torkoal gets stuck by Cacnea's pin missile and needs one of May's Pokemon to even the field. She calls out Skitty. Again, not the fire type, of which she has one. Skitty does not help at all. In fact, Skitty gets horribly injured, Torkoal gets distracted, and Sviper gets time to recover. Eventually, Brock has to step in, like, geez, guys, get it together. When was the last time I had to fight off a routine rocket attack? Mudkip sends Team Rocket off with Water Gun, and then everyone can focus on Skitty. It's a little rough. Sometimes battles, especially the non-friendly ones, can have consequences, so they've got to find a Pokémon Center as soon as they can. Skitty inhaled too much of Torkoal's smoke, maybe, and lost its voice. Torkoal's just in tears over it. So, to Foothill Town! Except they get there and find that Foothill Town doesn't actually have a Pokémon Center. They do have a clinic. The doctor there is supposed to be one of the best. So, Pokémon doctors! They are so rarely seen in the wild. And also, people who practice Pokémon medicine who aren't Nurse Joy! It's interesting to think about. That family does seem to have the monopoly on Pokémon healthcare. I mean, Officer Jenny's family is also clearly into nepotism, but at least we see there are plenty of other people on the force who are not Officer Jenny. The same is not usually true of the Pokémon centers or... or hospitals. So anyway, we go to the clinic and we meet Dr. Abby. And the gag with Brock being Brock, hoping she'll be a beautiful lady because she's got a beautiful voice. And then they fake out with a less traditionally beautiful overweight lady. But nonetheless, she's a snappy dresser. And then it's revealed that that's a client. Dr. Abby is the slim, beautiful, green-haired thing. But I was kind of hoping Abby would be the First Lady because there's no reason she couldn't be a doctor. And if Brock did hit on her, at least it would prove he appreciated beauty in all its forms. Max drags out Brock, whose heart is literally beating out of his chest. I mean, drag him to a human doctor. Someone's gonna want to study that phenomenon. But more importantly, Mae explains the issue with Skitty. Skitty's got a sore throat, lost its voice. Dr. Abby takes Skiddy to the examination table, and I just love the little detail where the kids and Abby are all wearing, like, indoor slippers rather than their shoes, even though this is theoretically a public building. It just, I don't know, gives a little extra flavor to Abby and her life. Like, is her clinic also her house, so people treat it as such and remove their shoes in the traditional Japanese way? The building looks fairly modern in the interior, but the exterior is a little more old-fashioned. Maybe Abby and her clinic like to follow that vibe. Because you would wear shoes in a modern Japanese hospital, but maybe in ye olden times, even a public building, had you remove your shoes. I don't know. I'm pondering a lot over this detail, not only because it hasn't appeared in, like, hardly ever outside of somebody's home or a traditional Japanese ceremonial place like a tea house, but also because someone had to animate that. Somebody had to animate the feet and specifically do different details on all the kids' feet. Like, that's not a haphazard choice. Somebody put some thought into everybody's footwear and, like, multiple people in the animation process would have had to, like, sign off on that and give notes on it and think about why they're doing it here, why it's different at Abby's clinic, and I don't know. I like the little details like that that suggest there's a bigger story, a more rounded character or world. Like, it's not a super important plot detail, but it does suggest some of the things I talked about, about what what passes for acceptable in this town, or how Abby lives her life, or whatever. And you don't have to stop and explain it to the audience, but just having it there... Suggests a sense of character. Anyway, Dr. Abby's treatment deals mostly in things like massage and pressure points. On her walls are charts outlining them for different Pokemon. Psyducks are entirely in its head. Revealing tension in certain areas can go a long way in healing, and for Skitty, should clear that sore voice problem up in a bit. Brock is actually aware of this technique, wanting to be the world's best Pokemon breeder, So good a breeder, in fact, that eventually he'll just get a medical degree. Basically, right up until the end of Sinnoh, Brock's basically been treating Pokemon breeders and doctors like they're the same thing. I don't think his dream ever actually changed, so much as he started using different words for things and maybe opened an anatomy textbook. But for now, he is just a passionate breeder eager to show off his knowledge to his crush. And maybe get a nice massage, but that's asking too much. Skitty's going to need some time to rest, but it's already proving it's on the mend, even after just that little massage. As someone with severe chronic headaches, like, this totally tracks for me. A massage therapist or the chiropractor can do a lot in just a couple seconds of poking. Abby's more than just a doctor, though really, being a doctor is enough. But also, she's a Skitty trainer and a coordinator. May recognizes her name from the Coordinator Weekly magazine. Abby won the Grand Festival in the past. She was an underdog in that competition and managed to win the whole thing. Perfect scores all around for her and Skitty. But she retired soon after. Abby says maybe she got a little too confident and overestimated herself and didn't prepare. I say the trainer she fought in this flashback needed to maybe do some self-evaluation too, like... To see if his Pokemon wasn't horribly mismatched to his opponent, and maybe he should have used a different Pokemon or pulled the punches back a little? But accidents do happen in real sports as well as Pokemon battles, and Abby's Skitty ended up thrown off a cliff. Very hurt, but Skitty was treated by a man named Dr. Moss, who used the same natural techniques Abby does, and soon Skitty was running around well again. And this opened Abby's eyes to some of the other ways people can interact with Pokemon beyond the usual travel and train and battle. So she decided to stay and train under Dr. Moss, and after a lot of work, became a skilled doctor in her own right. And as a graduation present, Dr. Moss presented Abby and Skitty with a Moonstone, a Pokemon Evolutionary Stone. Skitty, also known as Johnny, evolved into Delcatty, and it was symbolic for Abby of the way she needed to evolve and together they opened up their own Pokemon clinic. After hearing that story, May wants to meet Johnny the Delcatty, and Team Rocket begins to scheme. Delcatty and Skitty are the only Pokemon in their evolutionary line, and Delcatty is known for napping a lot and being non-confrontational. And May, Skitty, like, no offense to it, but it's not exactly a honed killer. It's easily distracted by something shiny. Surely they can catch these Pokemon and present them to the boss as a complete set, and that's gotta look good on their record, right? I mean, if they want a complete set, you really want to go for all the Eevees, but let's start small. Team Rocket's already tried that back when there were only three Eeveelutions, and they couldn't handle it, so stick with the two cats. So they hatch their plot while Dr. Abby teaches some of the coordinating tricks she taught her Skitty, like juggling balls with double slap, Skitty picks up the basic idea pretty quickly, but the training is interrupted when a pair of Swiss, Norwegian, and Austrian, I don't know, a sweet European couple show up with their hurt Pokemon, yes it's a Meowth, bandaged from head to toe. And while this Meowth makes a lot of noise, it, it can't speak. Obviously. And James would hate for it to have another accident trying. Honestly. For me, that's the best throwaway joke in the episode. Once Dr. Abby takes off the bandages, Pikachu sees Meowth's face and thinks, You look familiar. And Dr. Abby can't really find anything wrong with Meowth, though it got super tense when it locked eyes with Pikachu. The couple crouch down to pet Skitty and Delcaddy while Abby works, insisting there must be something wrong with Meowth. All it does is whine and complain. So Abby starts massaging, and Meowth gets loose. So loose, it forgets it's playing a role, and starts talking. Abby freaks out, a talking Meowth. Jesse and James slow turn, because, duh, of course it's them. And they know the twerps aren't complete idiots. The twerps step up, like, but they don't even have to say anything. Team Rocket already knows it's up. They might as well just go right into the motto. Why waste time waiting for accusations? (laughs) So they do doffing costumes and getting their poses going, and good for them. They at least got collars on Skiddy and Delcaddy before this all went down, so once Viper lets loose a haze attack, they can abscond with Skiddy and Johnny in the balloon. Which is all well and good, but Team Rocket's finding... That, for all the rumors about being non-confrontational, this delcaddy is not taking kindly to being captured. It's bodily throwing itself against the side of the balloon. Let's loose a solar beam. And after blowing up the balloon and sending them all plunging into the ravine, manages to land on its feet and catch Skitty on its back. Like, superhero. Remember all my jokes about how you kidnap Ash's Pokemon but you never, ever, ever want to capture Ash? Especially without his Pokemon? Like... Him by his lonesome with nothing to lose in your lair is just going to be a bad time for you. I'm going to go ahead and put Johnny the Delcaddy in that same category. Like, this was really impressive. So now that the kids catch up with the Pokemon and Team Rocket's uncovered themselves from the wreckage, it's time for a Pokemon battle. Ash and May are ready to break some heads, but Abby steps up. This is personal. She wants a shot. So she and Johnny battle. As before, Johnny is amazing, like, does not take a single hint of a blow, wrecks a viper with a thunderbolt, and then takes Cacnea to town with the solar beam to end all solar beams. Like, that's type disadvantage, you don't even get a stab bonus. May's starstruck and tries to get Skitty in there, but Team Rocket hits her with two Pokemon at once and that takes Skitty out. Abby suggests Skitty use Blizzard, to which May's like, um, we don't know that one. Oh, don't worry, Abby says, you can teach it in no time, and she has Delcatty use Blizzard. May doesn't think her Skitty is quite as, um, godlike as Delcatty. Also, just try it is usually not how advanced generation has presented attacks as being learned. Kind of back to that whole, like, yeah, if you just believe in yourself harder, you'll suddenly be able to do... Complicated, physical things that you have never tried to do before and in fact do not know how to do. Like, I have never really loved the just-believe-in-yourself argument. Much as it is legitimately a thing that both May and myself need to learn. But thank goodness this show catches itself a bit before I roll my eyes and leave. Skitty, in fact, is not able to do Blizzard just because May told it to. Skitty tries and fails. Then Abby tells Skitty to watch Delcatty and try to imitate it. Like there, that's more like it. Skitty still can't do a passable blizzard on this next try, but in watching and mimicking is able to get the basic idea down. We can practice on Team Rocket, we've still got them to deal with. One last thunderbolt and Skitty's new blizzard attempt and Team Rocket is feeling some hurt. May's feeling a lot more confident. A final joint blizzard from both cats sends Team Rocket blasting off. Afterwards, the kids do have to be on their way. Abby praises May and Skitty and encourages them to keep working. Brock Brock miraculously tones his flirting down and thanks Abby for showing him her medical competence, citing her work as an inspiration to him on his road to becoming a breeder. He was really impressed with some of the stuff she showed him and, and wants to apply it to himself and work harder and maybe learn some of her techniques. See, Brock, that is how you do it. Like, I know you had it in you. Ash, too, is inspired by Abby's work, and Pikachu also thinks it's pretty cool. Sure he's like, yes, Ash, please learn how to give me a freaking massage. But with that, uh, the kids kids go off and like all of them are feeling very optimistic about their future and inspired, and the episode ends. Overall, a fun episode for a filler one. I really liked. I really liked the rocket plot for this one. Like, I just, I kind of just love Jesse and James sniping at Meowth, while also trying to be as covert about it as they possibly can. And just the moment where they realized the jig was up and like didn't even wait for the twerps to get all accusatory. And I kind of like what this episode does for May because we've we've waxed a lot on this show about like the May's progression as a character and how. Some people, including myself, have not always appreciated it. Partly due to flaws in, like, the the writing and scripting of the show, but also just because the things she's dealing with are not as concrete as ashes sometimes were in, say, Indigo League, where it's like, I need to learn how to do this physical thing and train my Pokemon to do this physical thing, and you can see the progression... Whereas May's dealing with something a bit more ephemeral. Although she also does need to train her Pokemon and herself to do the physical things. But a lot of her journey is about her confidence. And in the first half of Advanced Generation, a lot of like how she ran away from every conflict. (laughs) And kind of, you know, standing and facing it. And I appreciate that in a TV show especially, it's really hard to showcase... Choosing to stand and face the hard thing and choosing to believe herself, it's hard to reinforce that positivity in a, like, half-hour episodic show without having her succeed at the thing by the end of the episode. So sometimes it does feel like she just magically gets good at things. Um, it's It's a struggle. But I did like in this episode, like, her seeing an example of what she wants in the future and... You know, seeing a, a girl just like her who entered um, as a coordinator and won it, kind of, it, it doesn't really say it was in her first year, but they say she was a complete, they say Abby was a complete unknown. So it kind of implies that Abby hadn't really been out making a name for herself for a long time before she won the Grand Festival. So it's kind of like what May's doing, where it's like she's still kind of new to contest battling, but she wants she's she's got her sights aimed on the highest of the heights. She's not like, oh, I'm gonna try it out for a year and see where I go or I'm gonna aim to win just one competition or I'm gonna aim to make it to the semifinal. She's like, no, I want to win the whole thing. And meeting another trainer with a skitty just like her, who did the thing May wants to do and and like was praised as one of the greatest of all time, like that's good for May to you know be able to see evidence that the thing she wants is achievable, and also to have Abby be a genuine nice person who you know is willing to share the knowledge she has and isn't you know so precious about her quote unquote legacy to see that she has some other things going on in her life beyond just you know contest battling, but she's also willing to teach May and to encourage may and and her skitty as well and and over the course of one episode, yeah, may went from like oh my gosh, she did it just like me. I'm full of confidence too. I can't, I can't ever be as good as you. My Skitty isn't like your Delcatty. You're too good. To again, being encouraged to try and improve and let her see like, oh yes, if I work hard, you know, slowly my skills will build and I will eventually get to where Abby is. Like, that's a good little progression for me, to, and for it all to happen in one episode I think is really nice. Anyway, that's about my thoughts for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast to hear it on the regular, uh, you can find Peek Podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcast or whatever they're calling themselves now, or any of the other fine podcasting uh, catching services. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. This has been Peek Podcast. Gotta catch them all.